0: Dog Bless You is all about celebrating the love we have for our dogs, which is why I cannot think of a better sponsor for the podcast than our friends at Button Up Box. As well as delivering fresh, healthy meals for dogs that are made with 60% meat, 40% vegetables and lentils, and absolutely no nasties, Button Up Box also genuinely cares about all dogs and their humans. In fact, everything they do is for the love of dogs. And our listeners can fetch 50% off their first two button-up boxes by visiting buttonupbox.com slash dogblessyou. That's buttonupbox.com slash dogblessyou to get 50% off your first two boxes. Thank you so very, very much to Button Up Box. And welcome to Dog Bless You, the podcast about rescue dogs, the Wild at Heart Foundation charity, and our love of dogs in general. I'm your host, Nikki Tibbles, and in this series, we'll speak to people about their experiences with their companions and how a dog can change your life for the better. But we'll also hear some harrowing stories about the lives of some dogs here in the UK and around the world. And more importantly, we'll tell you how you can help end that but for now, let's meet today's guest. Today, I am humbled to have as my guest, the amazing Peter Egan. Not only an incredible actor, of course, in Downton Abbey, and one of my favourite television programmes of all time, The Unforgotten, which I must ask you when that's coming back next. But most importantly, Peter is an extraordinary animal activist. He is a good man in every way, and every part of his soul is dedicated to making change for animals. I welcome this exceptional human, a human tireless in the pursuit of exposing horrors to animals of this world. Thank you, Peter.
1: Uh, Nikki, thank you so much. and Thank you. I'm so sorry that I'm sharing um, my microphone with Pippa, one of my wonderful rescues. Uh, who is she's uh,
0: obviously agreeing with me.
1: She well she may be agreeing with you, she might be competing with you. Um, <laughs> she, she 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 doesn't she doesn't like it very much when I get on the phone if she's getting close by and she doesn't, doesn't like it if, if her attention is not not it doesn't, it doesn't have to be entirely on her, but it has to be split on towards her. So Um, She's, um, I'm I'm ready to now bribe her again with yet another.
0: You've got got a box of biscuits close to hand. (laughs) I think um, I've I've had the pleasure of meeting you on a a number of occasions. I think once a very long time ago on Hampstead Heath with all my out of control dogs, Ah. uh, my six rescue out of control dogs. And again, outside the BBC, when we're protesting against the atrocities happening in Romania. And I think the last time I met you was with Robin, the amazing Robin Russell. Absolutely. With um, Michelle from Dots, Dogs on the Street, who again is another extraordinary person who has dedicated her life and does so to... Uh, help animals and the, the homeless and affect change in legislation.
1: I think she's sensational. I think Dots is sensational. And in fact it is because of Robin that I'm a patron for, for Dogs on the Streets. Right. He introduced me to Michelle and um, and I, I, I agree she does remarkable work.
0: It is it is remarkable because I think that again I, I, and what's so interesting and and talking to you about i hope we'll be able to cover all the extraordinary adventures that you've had in your search and extraordinary desire to make our world a better place and finding the capacity for forgiveness in the way for forgiveness in the way that we treat our animals all over the world but you know it's it. Do you, do you not find it extraordinary that in our country here, in in our tiny little island that we now live in, uh, divorced from the rest of the world, that you know, as a homeless person living on the streets, you cannot get into a shelter in the bitter cold, in the depths of winter, if you have a dog with you?
1: Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, uh, there are so many um, injustices Anyway, in our society, and I, you know if we think that I think we are either the fifth or the sixth richest um, uh, uh, com- uh, country on the planet um, that uh, we could be a, we, sh- we should be able to solve all of these problems quite simply, we should. because yeah. I think governments and people um, begrudge um, giving and often um, look at the homeless and also look at animals as deserving of abuse and, um, and, and uh, uh, subspecies and um, not, uh, not uh, acceptable in terms of our um, very uh, highly refined um, society uh, in, in, in terms of only getting what you work hard for or what you appear to work hard for or apparently deserve. Um, it 's I think an injustice that um, is not only uh, in our it 's in every country in the world, so yes uh, that kind of reflects back on the, the huge question in terms of how we deal with the homeless um, and that also and how we deal with strays uh, stray dogs in the u k and throughout the world that 's a major major uh, problem as well um, and um, there are so many um, Uh, thoughts in my head in terms of animals and uh, how we treat them, all species. I mean, we are extraordinary. We, We, the human animal, are the most creative, the most imaginative, the most accomplished animal on the planet. And we are, I think bizarrely, the only species that colludes with our own disaster by the way we treat all other species and how we treat our planet. And that, that kind of has become a, an obsession with me as I've grown older. And I wish that I'd be, been more connected when I was younger. But I have reached a point in my life now through my commitment and my love of both our planet and all the creatures who share it with us, and particularly our companion animals. I've reached a point in my life where I. Um, I'm proud to be an ethical vegan, and also to be completely committed to not owning other species, not owning uh, and not the sense of ownership, because I think as we get, get it from a creationist's perspective, this sense of dominion, you know, that If this, if God created the planet and did it in seven days and created, you know, which is an extraordinary concept anyway, but not that I, I mean, I was brought up a Roman Catholic, so um, I. I, I, Me too. Were you really?
0: It's our guilt. It never leaves us.
1: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, I I am guilty about feeling guilty.
0: (laughs) I, I could not agree with you more.
1: Yes, I feel
0: guilty constantly about something.
1: Um, It's a bizarre thing to inherit, isn't it, when one should celebrate?
0: When I I never do anything wrong.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Interesting you should say that, but I I think the major thing I have inherited from being brought up a Catholic is that I have a great belief in that I have to work for everything. And so, but it does also, sadly, make me distrust what I've been given, because I sometimes think, am I worthy of it? If you see what I mean. And and that is, I think, completely linked to a Roman Catholic upbringing and the sense that one is born in, in, into this world in being your sin and that you spend your life cleansing and um, that's a huge a, a huge and maybe that's old catholicism maybe there's a new catholicism because I've been lapsed since I was 15 so that's so it's nearly 60 years <laughs> <laughs> so um, maybe
0: but I, I I do hear you I do I do believe in that you know the guilt and and then what you you have and you work for and and that that whole sense of worthiness which I think has probably could you say has driven you to such an extent because there are very few people in this world that have the the utter passion and commitment and compassion that you have for all animals to try because I mean to to do your your love of animals goes across the board you know it, it's i know that you know you have your four rescue dogs all have come from i think as you said from Sarajevo, from uh meat trade from the meat farms that you've worked with the amazing lola Weber with from whose charity is change for animals foundation um and i and i think that that was what I was going to say when I saw you last at the, the moment that Michelle had for Dogs on the Street when we were with Robin. And I think you'd just returned from a trip to Indonesia.
1: That's right. And that was the most towering thing in my life.
0: Yes. And, and that's something I remember you saying because I asked you how the trip was because I knew you were going and and I remember you saying that it would be something that would live with you forever.
1: I had um, breakfast with Robin um, the day after I came back from uh, Indonesia it was at the extreme market in Tomohon in Sulawesi and um, we were having a meeting and, uh, and I, after five minutes he, he said to me Peter, are you all right? And I said, yes, oh, I am fine. He said, because you've, you seem a little hollowed out. You seem distant and, and, and very strange. You, have you had a tragedy in your life? And I said, that's extraordinary. I said, because I don't, I'm not aware of feeling like that, but I, what I am aware of is that I might possibly be in a state of shock because I've just come back from um, the extreme um, wildlife market, visiting the wildlife markets
0: mm-hmm. in,
1: uh, in, in, in uh, Indonesia and, and and I have seen some of the worst sites I could ever imagine anyone seeing and, and, and uh, I was there basically um, to uh, support Lola Weber and the Indonesian campaign to make Indonesia uh, a dog meat free country and um, I, I had never witnessed Dogs in such conditions, um, and uh, I don't want to upset your listeners by going into too much detail about it, but it is horrendous. Um, uh, I, I, in, we were told, we were, I went to two markets, um, and we were told in the first market that there wouldn't be any dogs um, either in cages or slaughtered that day, and that they were working towards um, ending um, dog meat trading in that particular market and hope to have it accomplished by the following year which i'm sad to say never happened but um and whilst walking through because when you're in these markets you you, and they are wildlife markets as opposed to wet markets um and and, uh, because wet markets include everything um they include vegetables and flowers and stuff like that so one mustn't confuse wet markets with wildlife markets in Wuhan where Covid uh, started is um, a wildlife market but it's often referred to as a wet
0: market.
1: As a wet market, yes. And I, I only say that just to establish the difference. And um, what was extraordinary was um, uh, was walking through the first part of this market which dealt with um, fruit and veg and flowers and stuff like that and it was a we went went very early in the morning It was about 7 30 so the sun was just coming up it was quite hot and there was a mixture of diesel fumes and then suddenly going into the market i just breathed in and it was exquisite it was the smells were wonderful and, um, and I said to Lola, uh, I said, this is one the, of the smells here, are just sensational, you know, melons and mangoes and fruit and pineapples and flowers and stuff like that. And um, she said, you wait. And uh, I said, okay. Um, so we spent about five minutes walking through this very, very large market, and then I knew what she meant because we then crossed the road and then a gut-wrenching smell hit my nostrils, and it was the smell of intestines and blood, and, and, and the fact that living creatures were so cramped together in this. It's called an extreme market, and there's a warning sign before you go in, and so there should be. And just to see a variety of animals um, cramped together, some alive, some already having been blowtorched, um, and intestines and blood just on the, on the floor. The, um, the butchers with cigarettes hanging out of their mouths, and I looked at them and their fingernails were dirty. Uh, we had a, a, a um, sort of, not a guide, but an official with us um, because um, they sort of frown upon Westerners intruding on, you know, the way they want to live their life, and as we were filming, they knew that it wasn't going to be good. Um, And um, I saw a piece of meat that was totally covered in flies. And I just recoiled back and I said, who would possibly buy that? And um, the guides said uh, people would buy that sooner than meat that didn't have flies on it because it meant it had not been injected with any kind of chemicals and they could burn off um, any disease from the flies. Um, and it meant that the meat was not was un, untampered with, if you see what I mean. Right. And that also it's informs good. the fact that they actually will go to a cage where there is a poor dog, they will choose the dog, and the dog is then taken out in front of them and slaughtered yeah. there and then, and they know that they are getting fresh meat. Uh, yes. It shocked the life out of me uh, it, what shocked the life out of me was to see an animal that I consider, as we, as we all consider to be a companion animal, sitting in a cage, not just one dog, loads of dogs, but some dogs on their own, and the dog would not look at you. It, you know, we know every dog you meet, but, well, they're inquisitive, they want the, their snout comes towards you. You put your hand down, they come and sniff you, they, their tails wag. These dogs, were in such a state of shock. They were like zombies. They, they just, I, I looked at them and they didn't move. They just looked straight ahead and then closed down. And of course, they, oh, they knew that, that if I could have just popped them out as they are, you know, by that thing around the neck, and then, you know, they get a bat, they bang them on the back of the head and stun them, and then they, um, they bleed them and skin them and blowtorch them and it, uh, and it, uh, I, I, I was just I really don't know how I kind of um how I got through it um, but I did notice that um, well, I, Lola was um I think she was seven or eight months pregnant,
0: pregnant I, yes.
1: I, 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 Lola, as we know, is the bravest person, like Jill Robinson of Animals Asia. Yeah, of course. Two
0: extraordinary women.
1: Amazing. Um, I, at one moment, I saw Lola standing there, when because she, like me, didn't expect any dogs to be there, and having a bunch of dogs been found in the most horrible conditions, hidden under a tarpauling, I could see her the colour in her face change. It just went from normal colour to ashen ashen, uh, the blood drained from her face. Um, We tried to rescue the dogs that were there, but we weren't allowed to, and these poor creatures were then taken away from the market and hidden somewhere. And um, it's difficult to describe how devastating it is. Um, Also, it incurs something which I don't want to incur, which is a sense of racism. Cause you, start, you know, because people would say, Oh, well they're all like that in Southeast Asia, aren't they? When in fact they're not, of course. No. But, but what is shocking is to see families walking around eating candy floss while creatures are being are being destroyed. And it's because like, that's
0: that's their norm. That's that's, that's the norm. norm. Yes. That's and a, and did you I I mean this may be I may be incorrect, but I mean did you go to visit these extreme markets because they were in a trip advisor as somewhere for tourists to visit? The
1: thing that is shocking, I didn't go there for that reason. I went there because um, I believe it is right for me if I am going to be an animal advocate to understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, and and, and Lola uh, wanted very much for myself and and the person I work with a lot, Andrew Telling, who's a producer cameraman, um, just to 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 see it firsthand, so that one can talk about it with uh, resonance rather than just report conviction. It. Um, so, uh, but what is shocking is, of course, yes, TripAdvisor does recommend these markets. Mm. Um, you know, um, and so so. There's, what's that other thing? The virtual planet or something. What's um, the book? Um, um, uh, uh, Travel uh, some uh, planet guide. Yes, I know what
0: you mean. Planet guide. And,
1: yeah. and, and, and hopefully, we're getting those recommendations taken out. Yes. Because um, because it is a, it is a horrific, horrific, frightening, disgusting experience that I that animals shouldn't ever be put through but of course they are and i don't think that there is any element of pleasure or inquisitiveness that should be satisfied by experiencing that kind of problem
0: do we put does this also leads on to you know all the extraordinary work that you've done in south korea and the meat trade in korea south korea and of course the in the, the meat trade in South Korea alone is worth, I think, two two million a year. I mean, and the meat trade in in China, you know, <coughs> which people either put down to culture, or of course, and we all know about the the Yulin and the, the the various dog meat festivals, where the more tortured the animal, the the more adrenaline goes to the meat. Therefore, if you eat a more tortured animal, then, you know, of course, that meat having more adrenaline will bring you more luck it will it will um help you raise your family it will cure your arthritis so if you're losing your hair it will you know help make your give you a thick glossy head of hair so many different reasons and you know i know you're so very much involved in in all of these things and you know it, it it's it's so sad to listen to your experience because you know we're we're just talking about that one instance of a day that you went to this market, but these markets happen every day all just, over Asia.
1: In fact, um, if I can just reflect on what you just said about you know they say the the the, the 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 more pain and terror, the sweeter the meat. The higher, the bigger the pain, the sweeter. That happens less. That is 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 an old concept in, in my mm. experience. Um, and they are, they are not, I mean, you can, some people can ask the meat trader to have their, their dog hanged because they like to have their meat from a dog that's been hanged. Some of them um, have the dog put into a, into a sack and beaten. Um, for the very reasons that you said, but that happens less and less. Most of, it, most, most of the slaughter is brutal, but swifter than that. Um, and you, you know, they, what they, they, they hook the, the poor, terrified dog out of the cage. They hit them with a hard, hard piece of wood on the back of their neck to stun them. And then they slit their throats or they disembowel them. Um, uh, and, and then they torch them. And um, so a, a lot of, of, of the excessive um, stuff is, doesn't happen as frequently, thank God, as we were led to believe years ago. And I'm not saying that excuses anything because what happens to them like all animals in intensive animal agriculture here in the West is disgusting. What happens to them is appalling. Um, the thing that is most is so shocking as, as a Westerner, is that it's all in front of your eyes when you go to um, Southeast Asia. They, you know, we're here in the West, it's behind, right. both, you know, it's in big
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, abattoirs. And we, you know, and you, you mentioned this to you know anyone in England, they go, oh, no, don't tell me about it. And oh, I say,
0: no.
1: Yeah. Are you, what are you having for lunch? And they say lamb. And, you know, so I say, you know, then you should know what you're eating, shouldn't you? But um, South Korea is the only country in the planet that has legal dog meat farms. There's about 18,000 of them in South yeah. Korea, and um, and they're legal. I mean, it's getting less and less, and again, Lola with Humane Society International, they've done a sensational work in bringing focus to that and allowing the world to understand um, that it goes on. One of the things that shocked me when I was um, visiting the dog meat farms in South Korea is, um, one, as we were driving through the countryside, I saw so many churches. And I said, um, is, um, is Christianity big in, in um, South Korea? And it is, it's the second largest religion in South Korea. And I was asked to do an article about the dog meat trade by one of the Catholic um, Christian charities. And, I, and so I researched it and I discovered that I think that the either the Archbishop or or a very high-powered um, Christian leader in South Korea promotes eating dog, says it's interesting and delicious. And I said, I will only write this article for you if I can focus on that. So the, uh, they said, no, we won't have the
0: article, thank you. <laughs> thanks, <Alex. laughs>
1: thanks, but no thanks. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's get, well, thank God it is getting less and less and it won't happen in our lifetimes. Um, but there will be a time in, 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 in the next, hopefully, 20 or 30 years. I mean, you might give another 20 years, I'd probably, I am
0: probably not That's it. Um, but, but you, th-
1: you know, where, 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 where they will close down all yes. these, these things. Um, that doesn't mean that they won't have all the other slaughter. Because, you know, what happens... At, I mean, in, 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 dog meat in China is... I think it's <laughs> about... Fifteen million dogs are killed in China. Mm. Which, if you think about it in terms of a billion pigs, is is nothing. You know, it's uh,
0: nothing. Uh, no. uh,
1: but but nevertheless, it's because we have. This is the thing that. This is why I'm an ethical vegan because I don't want to distinguish between one animal one animal and another in terms of its right to life. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to say, oh, let me save this dog and have a pig, you know, because Things are wonderful. All animal, all animals are. All wonderful.
0: animals are wonderful. When I started the foundation, it was because Rose, my dog from Puerto Rico, had passed away. My dog that I had smuggled from Puerto Rico to London had passed away, and I promised her that I would get another dog from abroad. And I think, as you you say, you 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 said so poignantly earlier that you know when you start talking about these things to people you get that oh you know don't tell me I don't want to know. Every, everyone puts their hands to their ears and it's like you know it's, I'll, I'll donate. Um, that, that will help won't it? You know what people want to say well let me give you some money or but people don't truly want to know and I think that when when Rose passed away I promised her that I would rescue another dog from abroad. And when you Google, and this was some some time ago, uh, maybe five, six, six, seven years ago, I guess, to when particularly the whole sort of um, what was happening in Romania had come to light. And you, it is unleashing the gates of hell. You know, what you saw in your your wildlife market, it, it, I know will be nothing, but it compared to, but if you just Google rescue dogs from abroad, and what the life of a dog around the world, where there is no legislation for our in excess of six hundred million stray dogs, they have they have they've no legislation. They're not treated humanely. They're beaten. They're shot. They're poisoned. They're clubbed to death, as as you well know. And um, and that that was my reason for setting up the foundation, because. Some we, I mean, there are so many extraordinary charities, and I, I do wish more charities would work together because I do believe we could achieve so much more. And there are so many amazing people out there doing so many incredible things. But you, to listen to you talking about animal worth, welfare and and you having seen what you see, which is why you you have, your life has has become so infused with the work that you're doing and the, the work that I want the foundation to do, because yes, we can rehome as many dogs as, you know, there's a, we can't get enough dogs here right now for the, for the need, which, you know, is extraordinarily sad because there will always be a, a, a dog in, in need of a life. But, you know, how are we going to change this? You know, change has to come from within is that what you see in Indonesia and South Korea and China. It, is it is it purely cultural is wherever there is an animal welfare issue there is always the the element of greed because it's all about money always about money whether it's where it's about money there is absolutely no consideration whatsoever for animal welfare so i mean how how do we change begin to change what's happening around us in our world
1: it's a, ma- it's a mammoth problem, that, and uh, I don't really have an answer to it, but this is what I believe. And if it's, it, it, it's an answer, it's an only, only an answer for us who celebrate empathy and compassion and kindness. Um, but I think we must respect different animals in different ways, but we must respect them all. And when one uses the word welfare, animal welfare, without it being inextricably linked to animal rights, it means nothing. Mm. Because animal welfare, like human welfare, you can't have human welfare without human rights. And yeah. we develop this concept of animal welfare as a cushion that actually takes us away from the horror. It makes us feel, I support animal welfare. Uh, so that means I'm, I care about how this animal is treated before I kill it and eat it. And so, when you ask the question, then one: Why do you have the right, if you to, to, even if you are saying I'm caring for it like with this thing of welfare, um, why do you have the right to ultimately kill it? Um, and that's the big problem, isn't it? The, the big yeah. problem is we. we, we we were hunter gatherers we had to survive we flesh was good for our brains it's the way that it's the way that, that mankind developed to be the genius that it is now which is all rubbish of course because um, you know i think i think early man was a, a herbivore anyway but but I was, you know, I suffered from this, and I don't mean this in a patronizing way to anyone who may listen to you or eat meat. Um, I mean, I suffered from the cognitive dissonance, as far as this is concerned, in, 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 in not understanding truly, because I thought I cared about animals while I was eating them, because I believed in my right to eat animals. Um, and you, you have conversations with people, I don't any longer, I hasten <laughs> to add, but I did because if I, if I hadn't, I wouldn't have eaten them, you know, and so our conditioning, all the advertising, you know, people go on about vegans saying, oh, you know, if you know how you know a vegan, they never stop talking about it. And I say, <laughs> I say yes, of course, that's, that's true, but look, at, look what we are surrounded with, which is not vegan. You watch television any night, you'll see within any interval, at least five adverts for a meat product. Now, if you, I would agree with you about vegans going on about it if there were five adverts for a vegan product. The fact is that meat eating is so much the status quo, you don't need to talk about it. That's why we sound like we're talking about it all the time, because you just accept it in terms of the meat product. Um, so that's a small minor point. But, um, um, that's so very true. It, 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 I think it is true. <laughs> it's
0: no, extraordinarily
1: true. Yes. People use their... They say, like, for instance... Well, they're, I'm terrified of lions, so it's all right to kill them. Um, or elephants are big and strong, so we can use them for logging. or for you know. And then that makes it even more interesting, because if you have this big animal, and through this terrible thing called Pajan, um, we can beat the life out of them, break their spirits, and get them to do tricks for us. Yeah, you know, um, it, it, and it, and it's because we look at an elephant. I mean, as you were saying earlier on about the wonderful elephant you visited, who wrapped his trunk around you and oh,
0: that's um, extraordinary
1: it was. Um, it, it, but it's the fact it's a size factor that when you look at an elephant, you think it's so powerful, it can its, you know. And what do you think about you know elephants can just stamp you to death? So it's all right for other things, and people forget about. The fact that they should respect the difference, they should respect the fact that an elephant is a magical creature magical. And, and we have no right to invade its territory. We, right. can, we can seek great pleasure at a distance, but an elephant is one, not a toy, but it's also not a companion animal. You know, a tiger isn't a companion animal or is a lion. Nor is a, an alligator, you know. They all have their own lives, their own needs, and should be respected. And so we shouldn't lock all of our things together in terms of and, and, and judge them all from the point of view of our dogs and our cats, our companion animals. We shouldn't ever, ever want to hug a monkey or a chimpanzee or a lion or a tiger because they are not creatures that need to be hugged by us. Yeah. So we are driven by our needs as humans that we develop upwards i think from our companion animals look how my dog is in my lap my dog loves me and licks me therefore i should have that control that dominion over all other animals it's a choice the dog the dog chose us you know the, the dog led us from being hunter gatherers um, you know, and, and taught us so many things. And I, I, I think that, I mean, and this is just stuff that comes into me as I experience my life in terms of being an animal advocate. So it's not necessarily structured. But a thing I do believe quite firmly is we cannot judge, blame, or treat any other species in the way that we humans treat each other, although we're pretty appalling to each other anyway. But at I mean, least... Yeah. It, At least we have a way of communicating and and identifying the fact that we are appalling or loving to each other. We also have a way of identifying it in terms of our companion animals, because they do, to a degree, choose us, or we choose them, but we have a mutuality about it. There is no mutuality with us interrelating with any other wild species on this planet. And well, unless,
0: are, of course, it's for money <laughs> and 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 pure greed, and, and that's it, really, isn't
1: it? It's all for money, isn't it? All that's, for
0: money. It's yes. All
1: for money. And and yeah. it's, you know some and the people who make most money out of it have the biggest justifications. So somewhere along the line, and that's why it's going to take such a long time, um because also of population growth and the fact that you know. I, I was discussing. I have a. I support a wonderful charity in Romania, um, the Liberty Bear Sanctuary in Zalău. Yes. Um, Christina Lapis, who is uh, and her husband Roger, they are magnificent, and they have yes. this wonderful um, bear sanctuary. And um,
0: Robin uh, and I were going to go out there. I think. Yes I, I
1: discussed it with Robin. And yes. I, I, yeah. I, I, well, maybe we can go out there next year together because that would to...
0: be amazing. Because we 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 spoke about this that night with, with the yes dogs on the street moment, and um, because I know Robin and I were, were looking with, and talking about shelters and places uh, that, where we wanted to work in Romania, and I know that you mentioned this sanctuary and
1: it's wonderful, and we it? had
0: a plan to go out and visit. And of and course, you also
1: has her dogs, you know, her dogs' sanctuary yep. as well in a, a different area. With six or seven hundred dogs, which um, she rehomes from there, but she—they she are amazing. But I was discussing it with um, someone from Romania and how very, very badly treated bears are in Romania. You know, it's horrible what happens to them. And and he said, well, imagine if you're a farmer in Romania and a bear intrudes on your space, um, then you know what? All you can do is kill it or get rid of it. I said, well. Okay, that's may well be the case, but try and look at it from another point of view, that you're a bear and suddenly a farmer has intruded on its space because you're intruding on the bear space, not the other way round. And you know, it's a it's a conceptual thing, this that so you have to find a way of living in harmony with the species whose land you are developing, because you're taking the the, the land away from the bear, not the other way around. Now, that's another problem. The problem with dog meat farmers in South Korea is they make, they, they, these dog meat farmers, for want of a better word, there's nothing, uh, no husbandry here is, um, but they are making a living. So you have to replace their living. So, some, so it's all money, as you say, it's money. So you have to find an alternative. And we do have to find a way, you know, and like in Africa and trophy hunting, you have to find a way of rural communities um, living hand in hand with their wildlife. And I can imagine it's very, very hard if you're an African farmer and a tiger is loose or a lion is loose or an elephant comes and destroys your crops. That um, you know, I just hope and, 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 and work for an alternative way of dealing with it rather than killing.
0: That's part one of my chat with the amazing Peter Egan. Please join us next week on Dog Bless You for the rest of our conversation, where Peter talks more about his life in animal activism and tells us what we really do want to know all about his very own rescue dogs. Dog Bless You was produced by Mike Hansen for Pod People Productions and presented by me, Nikki Tibbles. Theme music by Mike Hansen. And if you want to join or contribute to the Wild at Heart Foundation, please go to wilderheartfoundation.org. Thank you so much and see you soon.